0: Hi, this is Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. I'm Samantha, and we're here live with Eric Aldinius. Yay! Alright, alright! Eric! Eric! Yes. Eric, Eric. So the last mm-hmm, time I Vicky. saw you, you're sitting behind a very big kit in a very big room playing with a lot of very big people.
1: It's easier to sit than to stand.
0: <laughs> and you see the asses of many, many people. No comments. Know. No comment. So Billy's got a nice one. He does. He does. So Eric, for those of you who don't know, if you don't know, if you haven't been reading my social media, Eric has been drumming with Billy Idol for seven years. Seven years. Okay. Uh-huh. So I want to hear how, like how that gig happened, but but I want to know about you first because I'm I'm intrigued because I I Why? come to learn that you're Swedish. You mm-hmm. know, I think Swedish. I think accent, blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, it's you're not the sweet that of these stereotypes. So, how did your family come, how many generations Swedish are you, what, what's that about?
1: Actually, none.
0: Oh! ah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, I was born in India.
0: Okay. Yeah. And so, what made you guys, but I thought you said your parents were Swedish. Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. Okay, so... Um, I was adopted. Okay, um, you were adopted. Slowly getting at it. Oh, okay, so you're adopted. So. Are your parents of the blonde hair, blue eyed Swedish? Yeah. Do they have hair? Well, my dad
1: doesn't have much hair anymore, but (laughs) I think he was sort of blondish at one point.
0: Blondish at one point. And so, how were you adopted as a baby, older? Yeah, I was just a few months old. And so, was it weird to be not blonde in Sweden? Uh,
1: Yeah, at times. At times, it was. I think we're. You know, you're young, you're a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, you're naive, you don't really know or feel that different maybe at first, and then slowly... Are you the only,
0: are you the only...
1: No, my sister is also adopted from India, but we're not blood related, you know.
0: So now, but were you the only kids in your school that were of color? No, no, there there were
1: a few more, Mm -hmm. maybe five.
0: (laughs) Out of like a lot of kids. Yeah.
1: It was, I think, you know, my parents, their friends, I think they had found some agency in India. Mm-hmm. And it was um, sort of, they were able to adopt children a lot more easily because of the connection, I think. Because mm-hmm. it was, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 of us Indians running around in the small old towns.
0: <laughs> you were in a small town in Sweden? <laughs> yeah. And, and Swedish is your native language? It is. Okay, that's totally bizarre. So how did you learn English when you, when you were there in school? Uh,
1: English is mandatory uh, uh-huh. once you start fourth grade, but I you know, I sort of had to learn it a little earlier because, you know, we traveled a lot. Uh, oh,
0: really? What did your dad do for a living?
1: He worked for Volvo Penta, the boat engine. Okay. Not the cars. Uh-huh. And so that, you know, he traveled a lot, you know, while I was still, like, child and at one point it took him to Nigeria, Africa. Okay. For a year, year and a half. And so the whole family moved when I was like I'm trying to think four. No, no.
0: So you're not in school no, when you were there? Five. You were in school? I wasn't, no. Mm-hmm. But
1: I went to school in Africa. In fact, it was a whole bunch of families that moved down there and we, our family, and our apartment, we hosted the classroom every day. So they flew down a Swedish teacher to teach all of the Swedish kids. And so uh, part of the reason why I had to sort of learn English early mm-hmm. was because, you know, I just simply had to. You know, I can't go to Nigeria and speak Swedish.
0: Were they speaking American? Were they speaking English there?
1: They speak primarily French, actually, but oh. they speak English, too.
0: Do you speak some French? A little bit, yeah. You know. That's pretty nice that you got all that going on. Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So at what point do you, do you realize that you're different, do you think?
1: I think when people make you feel different. Mm-hmm. Were you, were you bullied? Like a little bit. Not in a in sort of evil way. I don't think I was bullied any, any more than anyone else. That mm-hmm. was maybe different mm-hmm. in other ways kid with red hair or maybe it was a kid with big braces or you know right the obese child yeah I mean uh-huh. you know for all the same reasons everybody's
0: kids. kids are mean yeah That's it. exactly kids are just mean. Yeah. yeah
1: uh-huh but I probably wasn't the nicest person either you know what I mean so
0: Wait, were you okay so now looking at you now, so were you were tough were you like were you like a punky kid were you like a rock and roll kid what, what was your thing
1: I liked rock and roll. I don't think I was the tough kid. I don't think I was the punk kid. I was just, you know, young and stupid and rebellious and just wanted to play music.
0: Okay, yeah. so when did that start for you? Um,
1: early on, my dad gave me my first drums when I was four. So that's pretty early.
0: Gave you your first what?
1: My first drums.
0: You started, okay, I, I read something that you were playing piano at one point. Did, did you, you started on the drums?
1: Yeah, I did. But, you know, we had all kinds of, musical instruments laying around the house. Was of, your you know. father
0: a musician? Your mother?
1: Not professionally, yeah, but they yeah, they're both, they're they both music play. Music lovers and my dad still plays the saxophone and oh, nice. the flute and guitar and yeah, so it was a very encouraging household.
0: And what kind of music were, were they listening to over there in Sweden when you were a kid? They were kind of listening to a little bit of everything. You know, yeah. my dad
1: listened to a lot of jazz, a lot of Elvis, Thomas Summer. Um, some
0: disco. Eric played with Donna Summer. That—that's a trip. <laughs> I, we're gonna—we're gonna talk about Donna. So, <clears throat> so they listen to some disco. They listen Swedish. to it. All, you're getting all the American music, I assume. And and
1: yeah, absolutely. is there Swedish
0: music that like is Swedish music a part of your life? Mm. I feel
1: not really. I mean, there's a lot of great Swedish jazz musicians and a lot of great you know classical music coming mm-hmm. out of Sweden, but. Maybe aside from Abba, yeah. example, I love Abba. I was Do a huge you? fan growing up. Yeah, I don't think there's anything really that's sort of stuck with me mm-hmm. other than them. You know, i still listen to their records. That
0: was kind of before your time, though, too. Abba's like yeah, the 80s, well, right. No, before that, I think. Except I think, I think their first yeah.
1: records came out sort of around the same time that I was born, even. Yeah.
0: So. Are there, is it like, are there classic stations? Are you growing up on classic American rock, on classic American rock, or? Yeah, uh, re- probably more British rock. Okay, like, so, yeah. okay. So, so who do you like when you, who's influ- all right, wait, you're four years old, you get a drum kit. You, you're taking <laughs> lessons? You teach yourself? What happens?
1: Uh, both, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of older friends that were drummers that would come over and, you know, bear with me.
0: What, why drums? What did, Was that what you wanted or was that what your father decided you were going to play?
1: No, he never decided any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it just came, I mean, I think like most drummers will probably tell you the same thing, you know, you end up banging away on pots and pans and you know, breaking everything around the house and I think pretty soon <laughs> your parents, you know, can
0: they out the conclusion <laughs> that, yeah, it's probably drums that he wants to play. Yeah. So, so you just kind of had that natural rhythm and you were just kind of putzing around on things. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think so. So you got this drum kit, and so what kind of music are you playing when you're four years old? Kiss. You're playing Kiss? Oh, yeah. I you know, Ace.
1: <laughs> Still one of my absolute favorite bands. Is I it really? Like it, but she- For saying that, but I don't care.
0: How and how how do your parents feel about Kiss?
1: I think they were a little concerned at first, like (laughs) most
0: parents. (laughs) But no, they they never,
1: you know, they never ever interfered. That's really cool. That's
0: very unusual. I like I like your parents. I like the fact that they were so encouraging and cool about things. That's really lovely. Are you close with them? Yeah, I am. I like that. You that's know, very cool. They're still together,
1: can you imagine? Can you believe yeah. that? Okay, that's
0: how long have they been married? A long time. Long time. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Over forty years. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, they actually they celebrated their fortieth anniversary, I'm trying to think. Five, six years ago.
0: You're very soft spoken for a guy who beats the shit out of things for a living. You are. You're very soft you're very soft spoken. You're very gentle for somebody that and you are, by the way, he is a mon- you are a monster in the best possible way. I mean, you, you're a hard, you're a, you are a full body drummer. I mean, you are just really, you are like, you are, you are, you're a full body drummer. Like You don't like play this way, you play like this way. You're like, you're like over in, you're, you're, your whole body is in there. Um,
1: Uh, maybe, you know, maybe that's how I get my aggression and energy out. You know. Wait, uh, your, uh, when's I'll your see. birthday? What's your sign? September 10th.
0: Wait so a minute! Did the- we already pa- we just passed that? Happy birthday! Thank you. Oh, nice, Virgo. Okay, Thank so you. yeah, you you're very put together. You like things organized, clean, <laughs> nice and neat. Um, I, I I I get that. So okay, so so four years old. You're playing some Kiss. Uh, do you play jazz?
1: I do. Yeah, that was. That's what I was going to do. I was going to really? move to New York and be a jazz musician. And there's still that sort of distant fantasy.
0: Did you ever of, of, make a stop in New York and do any playing there?
1: Uh, I never lived there, no, but mm-hmm. I mean, I've been to New York many times. Right, I played there, luckily. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that plan sort of changed. Quite late. I should just like a couple of years before I ended up moving here.
0: Okay, so so you're you're a kid. You're you're a good student. Good in school.
1: I was a good drum student.
0: You were a good drum student. You got by in school.
1: I did. Um, there was certain things that I was really good at. Certain things that I, you know things that I was you know very very interested in, and I tend obviously like most kids, you tend to do well. Like what what interested you? Um, like languages. Hmm. Uh, sports.
0: Um, Did you play sports?
1: I played soccer actually. Yeah. Okay. I was a Wait. goalie.
0: S- okay, I was going to say which soccer because I know in Europe sometimes they say soccer and that's our baseball, right? But you played re- soccer, what no. we call soccer. No. No. What are You're they talking they, about? Wh- football. 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 American right, football, sorry.
1: and then football for us is soccer.
0: Soccer is football. Yeah. Okay. I know nothing. Well, All right. right. <laughs> so, so you played soccer, okay, and a goalie. So oh you Yeah. Got if think them. about it.
1: It's not completely unlike being a drummer. You know, you're there in the back, kind of keeping an eye on the herd.
0: Look, you're looking at everybody's ass. You it, seem it to look at people's it, asses a lot. There you go. Nicely. <laughs> so.
1: Pick the best place.
0: Who's who's the best ass you ever? Who'd you play? Who's the best person to look at from behind that you've played with? Shams.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I can say this. Yeah. When we did the David Letterman show with her, Mm -hmm. and we did the sound check, I guess she was wearing something rather thin, and from where we were sitting or standing, Mm -hmm. we could pretty much see everything, and at some point, I guess she was a little self-conscious about, not, not, you know, not about her ass, but the fact that maybe it was very visible to us, so she turned around at one point and said, Hey guys, I just need to ask you honestly. Can you see my ass? What are you talking about? No idea what you're talking about.
0: Nice. But you know, yeah, not not a badass to behold, I'm sure. Um, Okay, so you're so you're playing you're playing music. You're doing okay in school. You're doing okay in school. What's the dream? When you're little, what's what's the first dream? It was always music. And in what? What did you see? What, what did you envision? What did you picture?
1: I was going to move to New York and be in a rock band.
0: And be in a rock band—that was yeah, the first thing. It's all so all about Kiss. I'm you. It's all about Kiss. Yeah. Um, Peter, Chris, huh? Um, so, have you? Did you ever meet him? I
1: never did. No. Did
0: you ever meet any of those guys?
1: Yeah, yeah. I met Gene and Paul a couple times.
0: Sometimes it's better not to meet your heroes. Was it good? Was it good for you? Were they nice to you?
1: Yeah. It was very strange, actually. A few years ago, we played this festival in, uh, in Europe called uh, Download mm-hmm. in Donington, and both Kiss and Mothman the crew were also on the bill. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, two bands that you know they were up listening to, and you know, we're playing. It's like this huge crowd and whatnot, and we're all excited. And at one point, I look to my left, and there's. Tommy and Nikki standing on the side of the stage watching us, and then I look over to the right, and there's Gene and Paul <laughs> standing on the side watching us, and it's like, okay, keep it together now, because this is a bit too weird. And at one point, I actually turn around, and Gene is standing right behind me, taking a picture over my shoulder of the crowd, and I said, okay, just breathe, we can get through this.
0: That's but it was sorry. very humbling
1: and exciting all along.
0: Did you talk to them? Did they say anything about your playing? Anybody ever? Yeah, really Everybody's to just being cool and yeah, being you
1: Yeah, festivals like that is just more yeah. about the, the hang and you mm-hmm. know, camaraderie.
0: And kind of nice that you get to meet your heroes and live that dream.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, they say that never meet your heroes and all that stuff, but you know, most of mine that I've met have been, you know, pretty cool. Some I've become friends with, so
0: without asking. Who? Did, did you have you met anybody that you ha- had on a bit of a pedestal that was disappointing
1: I probably have I mean no one really but if no one's mind. really coming
0: to mind that's really good yeah um,
1: I think you know
0: <laughs> it all depends on
1: maybe you know you can catch someone on a bad day or, absolutely you know, like it doesn't mean that they're always going to be you know assholes <laughs>
0: I was, uh, Bob Dylan was sort of my, my god, growing, you know, I'm um, old, and in the 60s there was nobody like Dylan, and, and um, my friend Kenny Aronson was playing bass, you know Kenny? Bass player? He, oh. uh, anyway, so he was, he was playing with Bob at the time, and um, I got invited up to the recording studio uh, when they were doing a session, and as I was getting out of the elevator, Kenny stopped me and he said, you don't want to come in today. And yeah. It was just one of those things. One of those sure. Things.
1: I mean, when someone is sort of in their creative space, and you know, not every day is going to be great in the studio. Yeah, sometimes, of course. You know, you just, you need that privacy. And sometimes you just have a bad day and you just mm-hmm. don't want to be around anyone or sometimes it's a great thing.
0: So, okay, so, so how did your career start? So are you, are you in bands in Sweden when you're going to, when you're growing up? Is that like a thing?
1: Yeah, I mean we had a few different bands here and there, um, but it, it, nothing really materialized because
0: I. <laughs> Sorry, somebody's asking you, Crystal. I she wants to know if you're single. Um, you're you're, you're getting you're getting hit on uh-huh. on, on Facebook or anything while we're live.
1: I don't think we need to talk about my personal life. Oh. My Facebook life. Oh. Other than that, I'm gonna open this ricola and suck on it because you caught me on my first day of allergy season. I know, I'm sorry. Hi,
0: Crystal. All right, while you're putting that in your mouth. Hi, Penny. Hi, Phil. Hi, Mary Ellen. Okay. Um, Hi, Rick. Um, (laughs) She's saying, oh my God, because I asked you if you're single. Um, (laughs) I asked you if there was anything you wouldn't talk about on the air. Really? You don't talk about your personal life? Come on.
1: We are talking about my personal life. Telling her that I was bad in school and that I dreamt of living in New York City.
0: Okay, so... How do you, so a couple of bands, so do you go to college? You did, I read something. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. After
1: high school, I uh, went to music college for two years. Over there? Yeah. Over there? Over mm-hmm. there. It was great. Like you get thrust down to the boonies basically for two years. You, you live there. And uh, All you do is play? Yeah, Yeah, it was a great experience.
0: And what kind of music are you playing in college? Are you oh, you're playing jazz, you learning jazz? and.
1: A lot of jazz, mm-hmm. but you
0: know, you know, rock and roll, mm-hmm. r So how do you transition over here? What happens?
1: Um, so I moved in 97 mm-hmm. and at this point, like I said, I pretty much always wanted to move to New York, but I kind of started to move back into the rock and roll. Direction musically from from jazz, okay, and
0: every musician I've interviewed has ha, has a passion for jazz, started in jazz. Yeah, um, that's it. Why no? not? I guess <laughs> I mean, for for the lame for me, progressive jazz. I never understood it, and I didn't really have a great appreciation. Although just lately, um, I've met some really incredible players. Mike Lang is gonna piano player is gonna be playing here. Jeff Young's playing here. With um with Danny on on Tuesday. Oh really? Yeah, in the oh, living room. Yeah, come by if you're around. But um okay, so so ha- so how old are you when you decide you're gonna? I was twenty. You are twenty, and you come right to L.A. Why to L.A. Well, it was either going to be New York or Los Angeles. Right. So L.A. wins. Yeah, it did. Um and so all those clubs the see the Trimdor, all that stuff is a hotbed at that time, And or what's the first gig you get? Do you come here with a gig, or do you... No. no I didn't
1: know anyone when I moved out. Well, there was a couple of people that I met while they were sort of on tour in Sweden, and mm-hmm. sort of struck up a couple of friendships. No, my... It's <laughs> an interesting story, actually. I was living in Northridge, and you must remember The Recycler, right, the magazine?
0: Well, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, and I am not at okay. that one, but I do know The Recycler, yes. Right.
1: So, towards the end of it, mm-hmm. you know, there were the ads for musicians, right. like, you know, and I find this ad, the drummer needed it, you know, for like tomorrow, so it was the very last minute, sort of desperate ad. <laughs> R&B band, needed, uh, drummer needed for R&B band, must know, blah, 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 all the classic R&B 8s and whatnot, blah, 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 So I respond like, yes, I can And it.
0: did you know, did you know, did you <clears throat> have a knowledge of, of music, R&B, rock, like, do you have, did you have a big catalog of? I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Was me- that something you put effort into as a kid to, like, learn all the music?
1: Yeah. I, I was, I was a student of a lot of different styles of music. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure you know like a lot of kids like which direction you wanted to go and, mm-hmm. and I just had a passion for so many different styles of music and to be honest, I mean I don't even
0: really think about as,
1: as styles or categories it's mm-hmm. just
0: good music
1: yeah good music's right. good it's good music or bad music
0: okay so you see this thing in the recycler and they're looking for an R&B drummer and
1: yeah and uh, they said it pays five dollars I'm like great I get in my car, load up my drums, drive from Northridge to Inglewood. To mm-hmm. And I only have one goal, and it's basically to get hired again. Okay. So I try to do my best.
0: Mm-hmm. Five dollars.
1: Yeah, my, my five dollars probably paid for the parking. And, uh, and luckily they hired me again. And that was sort of my motto for every job that I got, was to get another job from that.
0: And so, what is that? I, I like that. Th- this show is a lot about how to merge creativity and commerce, and how people did it. How, how are people living their dream? How did they succeed? So, for you, what's the f- what is it that gets you to get? Because it's not just the playing; because a lot of people can play. What do you think? What do you do to make yourself sort of indispensable so people are going to want you back? You have a good work ethic. You show up on time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I, I'm absolutely positive it's my absolute sick and demented sense of humor.
0: <laughs> I saw a little on your website. It's good. So if you're fun to be around. People want to be around you. I don't know. You. I mean, some yeah.
1: people probably find me annoying or inappropriate, but, <laughs> you know, I guess I am who I am. And so You know, that's it's just simply one. I mean, you, you just can't try to fit in or fake your way through. Mm-hmm. you can I can't
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think you just you naturally just find a group of people that you work well with and and, and
0: now I'm getting a cough are you comfortable in those situations like if you when you went into that I'm starting to cough when you went into that me, I'm you. when you went into that that first audition from the it's Harry's coughing too <coughs> from the recital. everyone's coughing you walk into that audition.
1: It wasn't on, It wasn't an audition. It was just you got the gig. You just well, showed no, up it and got was them. a gig. They just they were desperate. They needed a drummer, and they had no. You would
0: like the only person that showed up. Well, yeah, probably. <laughs>
1: I mean, I probably convinced them over the phone enough to mm. like, yeah, I can do it. Mm. I don't think they even really cared. They just needed a drummer. Wow. And,
0: okay. uh, where was the gig? What? What? Where? What, what kind of venue? I
1: can't remember. Some bar in England. Okay. And I guess it was sort of like a party band because they did a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up doing a few more gigs for them, you know, that year. That was a long time ago.
0: It was a long time ago. So, so okay, what did that lead? So where did that take you? What's next? And how are you supporting yourself while you're making $5 drumming?
1: Uh, you know, I have some savings.
0: Did you ever have to do a day job?
1: I've never had a day job. Nice. Uh, yeah, I feel very lucky. I.
0: Was there ever for a plan B?
1: A, no, never a plan B. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't have a plan B.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just I a, don't believe in plan B. No, mm-hmm. It doesn't work.
1: Um, for a few months, I, I moved into a guest house that I couldn't really afford, mm-hmm. but I really wanted it because I could have my drums set up there and practice and stuff without bothering people.
0: I was going to say, how hard has that been for you? I, I've lucked out. Yeah. You, you never have people like calling the cops and giving you shit. No, no. That's good.
1: So, in order to sort of comfortably afford that rent, mm-hmm. I was delivering sandwiches. Okay. Like five days a week for like two hours in the morning. I would go pick them up at the restaurant and drop them off.
0: You'd be great. They have like Postmates now and Uber I Eats know. and shit. <laughs> I, there's a lot of people doing, playing some drums and doing that during the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. But yeah,
1: so I didn't have to do that for very long. But That's
0: that, good. Yeah. So what, what was the first, uh, what happened after After the little band in Englewood?
1: So the first tour that I ever did was um, this folk singer named Jude. He was on oh, the yeah. Maverick. Mm-hmm. And I toured with him for a while. And then I met this this A&R person that was, his name is Barry Squire. He's mm-hmm. kind of well-known around town. And he's, he helped out a lot of uh, musicians to get their touring jobs because uh, different managers or musical directors would call him mm-hmm. and you know, basically mm-hmm. ask, hey, we need someone for this type of job and whatnot. And he basically had a roller decks for every musician in town. Mm-hmm. So he would set up auditions and get a lot of people he he helped out a lot of people
0: Uh, and I got a lot of work through him so was that sort of your thing was that your your intention to be a session player or a touring music like yeah like you you didn't say okay I want to find people and I want to start a band and I want to
1: that no that was not really my intention back then like I I wanted to sort of get my feet wet Mm -hmm. by being on the road a lot and sort of have that experience. And how was
0: that experience for you when you first did that? Did you oh, the road? Yeah. you yeah, do. do you still? I do. Mm-hmm. Oh
1: yeah. Probably not more than ever.
0: Really? Because well, now, now you do it with a lot more style. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Let's just say that yeah, the way we tour now is a little bit different than how I was touring back then. So.
0: so touring, when you first started touring with Jude, what well, you want a bus you what's no no what what's you're in a, a van you're in a van yeah and and you're, you're sharing sh- a hotel room with the bass player and you're sharing a hotel room with the bass player, and you're making a little bit of, you're making okay money yeah, that gig was actually pretty decent mm-hmm. for
1: for its time
0: and how long did you do that?
1: I can't remember, a few months okay came back into town and ended up getting more calls to do auditions through through that guy, Barry Squire. Mm-hmm. That kind of kept going like that, well, a bunch of different people.
0: So, I know, so I don't know the order that things happened for you. What was your first, like, big gig? Who, who did you?
1: My <sighs> first
0: big gig? Oh, Yeah.
1: I don't know, maybe at the time, Donna Summer was probably the first, you know, real star that I played with. So
0: was that trippy to, because then I'm sure the venues changed when you...
1: Yeah, absolutely, I had to kind of, uh, the first gig that I did with her was at some, I think it was called Cox Arena, maybe in San Diego, it was one of those Jingle Bell radio shows Mm
0: -hmm. around Christmas, Mm
1: -hmm. and... I remember playing with her and uh, thinking like, well, better not look around too much because the place was so big, i I never really played in an arena before. So, you know, I just had to keep it together and keep my cool and keep the concentration on on the music, not be distracted and get nervous by, you know, this big venue.
0: Did you let yourself look out when when you were done or getting close to the, did you let yourself look out and take it in?
1: Yeah, I had a few moments, sort of like after the first four or five songs when you feel like, okay, I got this, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. I haven't fucked up yet, or no <laughs> one's yelling <laughs> at me or throwing, you know, eggs yeah. at me. <laughs> I guess I'm allowed to look out now. So, but yeah, that was probably the first, first big thing, I
0: think so. And so, and how was it to meet her? I know you listened to her music and your parents were into her. Was it, did she live up to your expectations?
1: Yeah, absolutely. She was super nice. Uh, and her husband was singing with her as well. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, after she passed away, um, I, uh, well, not unfortunately, but unfortunately, she passed away, but I was able to continue to, to work with him, as oh. Uh Bruce Sedona. Uh-huh. He made a couple of records and did a bunch of gigs. Uh, but she, no, she, they're both super, super nice and. Yeah, I was a little nervous about meeting her. I guess, mm-hmm. but yeah, she definitely moved up to it.
0: And then, um, and so are you also? So you're touring, but are you also in this? You're a session player. So are you in the studio with people? And how did that start for you? Same way. Yeah,
1: I think it started with, you know, maybe I was doing local gigs with different artists, and um, and they were maybe going into the studio to make some demos like that, you know, a lot of the studio work that I did in the beginning were not, you know, big records that were being released on major labels or anything like mm-hmm. that. A lot of it's just demos. Right. That never really see the light of day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, you know, kind of got... So did you get, get
0: into like a circle of people, of musicians that, so you, are you generating your own calls yeah. at this point or is this guy still helping you or other...
1: Barry helped a lot with the touring stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the studio stuff was, um, I think what happens for a lot of people is you, uh, you hook up with a few different producers that you get along with and then you s- you sort of become their drummer for whatever they're working on, maybe not everything, but that's certainly what happened with me. Uh huh. So the first sort of big producer that I worked for was Keith Forsyth, mm-hmm. who of course produced all of, or most of Billy Idol's records. And so I met him early on
0: how, how long ago like way before you started playing with Billy oh
1: yeah way oh before. yeah uh huh I um, may have been 23 oh wow I think so well indirectly that was actually through Barry so Barry called me up and said hey um asking me if I wanted to audition for this local artist named uh, Nick Frost mm-hmm. who was doing this sort of electronic I meets rock and play with drum loops and things like that and
0: How do you feel about that?
1: I love that stuff mm-hmm. It's great
0: mm-hmm.
1: And so I heard the music and I thought wow well, this could be a lot of fun so I went and audition and, and Keith was there because mm-hmm. he was producing Nick and we just immediately hit it off and luckily I got the job and so for the next few years we we never toured we just did a bunch of local gigs did a, b- a lot of writing and rehearsing
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it kind of felt like a band I guess mm-hmm because uh, you know, creatively everyone was so involved. Uh, and so I became friends with Keith, and he, uh, we were sound checking one day for a gig, and he just kind of casually asked, you know, in front of everyone, like, like hey, I'm, you know, I'm going into the studio with Billy next week to record a new song, do you wanna come play drums? And I was just like,
0: whoa. Were you a Billy Anna fan? I mean, you got to say yes now, but, but truly, were you?
1: I certainly was, yeah. My sister was a huge fan, so mm-hmm. I, I, you know, heard mm-hmm. his music for mm-hmm. a good, good part of my life mm-hmm. growing up. And so that happened, and luckily it went well. And uh, after that, Keith kind of mm-hmm. brought me in. Uh, and Billy but, wasn't
0: really playing out that much in the, at that time? At
1: that point, no. I don't uh-huh. think he, he hadn't made a record in a long time and mm-hmm. he wasn't really touring. He didn't really have a band.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I would get called in here and there whenever, again, just like nothing that we recorded back then was ever released. It's just demos and ideas that they wanted to put down.
0: Interesting. Just to see how they would work. Uh-huh. Know. And what what's his persona like? I'm I'm just really curious because he has such a stage persona. Yeah. Is he that guy, or is is that a thing that okay? I'm going out. I'm I'm now going to be be that guy. Like how much of that is Billy and how much of that is the show?
1: He's actually a very quiet person mm-hmm. and self spoken as well. Interesting. He's really funny. Is he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He that's a, good. Great, incredible laughter. That is like his, the way he laughs is is hilarious.
0: Oh that's so yeah. nice. Yeah. I like that.
1: So yeah, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, of course everyone's gonna br- bring a different or a certain type of personality on stage. I mean mm-hmm. you can't walk around the grocery store. <laughs> <"Right."
0: Yeah. laughs> It'll work. That would be interesting. To say the least. Oh, you know, maybe he does. I've never <laughs> been to the grocery store. <laughs> that would be interesting. Um, I'm just looking. Hi, Mark. Hi, Nancy. Hi, uh, hi, Eileen. Hi, Gigi. Um, Estelle. So, so, so Jude is the first one. So, you're. What else is going on? So you get share. How does that happen? What is that like?
1: So the share gig, I only did that very briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> basically got hired to go to New York for maybe a little bit more than a week oh, uh-huh. to do a bunch of TV shows with her. She had released a new single and she was doing the you know, the TV show run like uh-huh. Letterman and Good Morning right. America and I can't remember everything. Oh we did actually Dancing with the Stars. Oh here, wow we were in Los Angeles <laughs> together. We have to be dressed all in all white thought uh, yeah I looked ridiculous
0: interesting yeah. Yeah. oh nice all white so that was in
1: 2013 and uh, yeah I was just I was friends with the musical director and mm-hmm. he just called me up hey you want to come
0: do this and how how was it working with Cher she's little she's very small I was shocked when I was standing next to her <laughs> how, because she just has a very big presence because she's just I don't know I imagined her yeah. very statuesque and she's actually big very cute and big she was great. I mean, I didn't have much interaction mm-hmm. with her other than mm-hmm.
1: being introduced and doing a couple of rehearsals and, and just showing up in the TV studio. And, mm-hmm. you know, sure, obviously, since I wasn't touring with her, mm-hmm. you know, you, you would have a different experience with her right. in that situation. But. Right.
0: So, and how, and you played with Jackson Brown, which is, I'm assuming, how you met Jeff. Is that how you met Jeff? Yeah,
1: I never toured with Jackson. I just, he, I no, I met Jeff way before that. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I've known Jeff. Friends, and so we had made a couple of records, and we were doing gigs around town. And because obviously Jeff had been playing with Jackson for a long time, Mm -hmm. excuse me, Jesus Um, Jackson would come out to the gigs a lot of the time. So he hired us to be his band for a benefit show that he was doing somewhere down in Santa Monica, I can't remember Mm -hmm. what it was for, and something else. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a Brief thing, but, you know, I would run into him here and there and jam a couple of times here and there.
0: But I just, I saw um, Eric recently play at Molly Malone's with Jeff Jeff Young, who's going to be in the living room, by the way, on Tuesday. Um, women Who Write, he's going to be playing here live and will be live on the Facebook and he'll be live in the living room, too. There'll be 40, 50 women in the living room Tuesday morning, Excellent. which is a trip, yeah. Yeah, and you guys
1: need to watch it because Jeff is great.
0: He is... Um, that show, yeah, that was there was not a moment of that show that was not spectacular. It, every song, oh. you were an amazing. Thank you. Um, uh, Jeff and and Danny when they sing to that, that their cover of Kesar Asura just killed me. But yeah, Jeff's Jeff CD album, every song, I just loved every song. There was not one song that was not a, a winner for me. It's fantastic. I'm going to post Jeff's album it's, it's amazing um, so you've been playing with him a long time um, are, there, are there other favorite LA players or that you have played with over the years that you go out and club with and that's a fun thing to gig with uh, you know I don't play
1: that much locally anymore mm-hmm. unless it's things like we did the other night mm-hmm.
0: um, oh ok so let's talk about that so how do you get to be? The other night, uh, Music Cares did um, Dave Navarro and Billy Morrison did mm-hmm. a benefit for Music Cares for mental health to raise awareness, to raise money, both of those things.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so who, suicide
1: prevention was a big, big
0: and aspect and of that. Dave well. told a very yeah that was very intense in the darkness. I mean, he had them bring the lights down and he told a very personal story, which was very moving about how he was saved. Um, How did they come to you? Because you were basically the drummer of record for that whole night.
1: Yeah, so that goes back to me um, starting with Billy Mm -hmm. back in 2012
0: and... Okay, so how did that happen?
1: That's a very long story.
0: We, we, well, we need that. That's a good story. Okay, I'll we need tell that, that story next, but just okay.
1: to, to briefly explain how I got involved with all those guys. Okay. So, obviously, Billy Morrison had been in the band a couple of years before me, mm-hmm. and we got along great immediately. And he had a side project called Camp Freddy, which is now called the Royal Machines. Okay. Where it's basically a core band of friends that do mainly corporate events. Mm hmm and we'll invite a bunch of different singers. And a lot of those singers were obviously guests the other night as well. So I got involved with that and, uh, (coughs) excuse me. And so over the years, I've just done a lot of those gigs and a lot of benefit type gigs similar to the one that we did Monday night. And all of us have just become really good friends. So it just kind of makes sense, I guess.
0: So that, let's talk about that event because um, thanks to you, um, Samantha and Harry and I got to go, which was crazy. That was just the most interesting mix of people. To go from Billy yeah, yeah. Idol to Juliette Lewis was, you know, it was just kind of trippy, the whole, that, that whole thing going on. Yeah. So doing The Stooges and then David Bowie, like, who made that show? Who, who made that call? Because that was also an Okay. Yeah. Dave Navarro. Billy Morrison, so... Um, I'm sure they bickered back and forth
1: about which <laughs> records to do
0: yeah, they do, them. Yeah, they did whole albums, which was great, yeah. and he starred us. So, and how does Jack Black get into that mix?
1: I don't know, to be honest, I'm sure he's friends with Dave, and Dave yeah. probably called him up and said, hey, can you please come and do this? And he said, yeah.
0: Jack Black came out in a... I don't know what to call that. Yeah, good lord. <laughs> and, and then there were huge... I don't know if they were transvestites. I don't know what they were. Were they transvestites? Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting women out there with him, and he did a very suffragette city. It was quite the. the oh, were you
1: there? when Did you see when the the, the taller of the two bent over? I did. The Moon the audience. We
0: did. Yeah. There was mooning going on. There was this going on. There was
1: know, So that. That was, okay, to go back to what you were saying earlier about uh-huh. having nice asses in front of you when you play drums, that uh-huh. happened, but he was turned the other way around. Right. And I could see right up his as ass. I don't ever want to do that again.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess there are times when, it's, when it doesn't serve you to, to have that view. <laughs> no. Oh, that's hysterical. Not at all. Um, but the, anyway, it was an amazing show. It was uh, Monday night at the Fonda Theater, and and I guess they raised a nice amount of money because the place was packed to the yeah, max. I think it almost sold and um, and Dr. Drew was there with Tom Arnold. That was a trip too. I don't know what was going on there, but they were doing uh, they did a little auction and, and sold some some local art to, to raise money. and, yeah. and they, they did a really good job, actually. Some of those pieces went for a few thousand dollars, which was very nice. And so. uh, that was pretty cool. And um, yeah, Gavin Rosdale came in from, and, and sang a song, and, and Billy mm-hmm. did a couple of songs. Um, So, we were talking about this earlier, but before we get into what Billy's doing now, so how how did you meet, how did you start playing with him, actually?
1: So it goes back to Keith Forsey, Mm -hmm. the producer, yeah, yeah. and the relationship, the working relationship that I ended up having with him, which expanded into basically his engineer, Brian Reeves, Mm -hmm. who owned Jungle Room Recording Mm -hmm. over in uh, Glendale. That was basically the studio where Keith did all of his recordings uh-huh. so and Brian was also producing other artists so I sort of became the his drummer, drummer as well and sort of like and every producer that I came through there I ended up working with and so that led to also people like Georgia Moroder and, and you know, Harold Faltemeyer and, mm-hmm. and all of these people had some in some way or another worked with Billy on on one of his records in one way like Brian worked on a lot of his records Uh huh. and so
0: what had the how long had it been since Billy had put out a record when you started to work with them had it been a while
1: yeah I'm trying to think it had been a while the record before it was called Devil's Playground Mm -hmm. I can't even remember when that came out maybe early 2000s okay and then
0: you met him in maybe 2000 12,
1: 13 ish? No, that's, that's when I started playing with him in the band. Oh, okay. So I met him, it's, this must be like 2000 or something. Maybe. Okay, long time ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, long story short, I ended up working with all these different people and um, again getting called in here and there to record for Billy. Mm-hmm. And one day, Keith calls and said, hey, we're going in, we need to re-record Rebel Yell and Dancing with Myself for some commercial use, I Mm -hmm. guess, for the license Mm -hmm. reasons. Um, They needed to re-record them and have them sound exactly or as close as we could to the original recordings. Mm -hmm. So I did that with them, and shortly after that, I worked with Steve Stevens on a a similar soundtrack to what He did uh, for Top Gun Mm -hmm. with Harold Mm Faltermeyer. And so I think those two things happening sort of. Do you do a lot of
0: that? Do you do a lot of film stuff? No, Mm -hmm. I've done
1: a few things here and there, Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. TV stuff. Uh, But having those two things happening, I think it was probably within the same year, so Mm -hmm. maybe 2011. Mm -hmm. And then Keith calls again and says, hey, you know, Billy has a few gigs lined up just up here on the West Coast. And they don't have a drummer, or it's not working out with the guy that they have, and so they're asking about you, which seems to make sense because at that point, you know, now I'm also a little bit older, and uh, have you know we had just finished doing those things that went well, Mm -hmm. and and so he said, and if that goes well, you know, there's a potential chance to you know to join the band. So of course I'm like, oh my god, okay. So now,
0: have you been? In a band prior to this, where you put in time, years, not so much?
1: A little bit. I was in a band called Low Millions in like the mid-2000s with uh, Adam Cohen, Leonard Cohen's song. Oh. And we made a record and actually Keith produced a few of those songs, Mm -hmm. became the singles. And I think that's the closest thing that I've sort of done as a did you,
0: did you want that? Did you want to have that sort of... At the
1: time, I was,
0: I, no, I think I was, uh-huh. I was always more
1: freelance person, uh-huh. wanted to just play on people's records, uh-huh. and actually for a long time I didn't even really want to tour, I just wanted to stay in town and, and you know, play on records, and at that point I also started producing for other artists, so uh-huh. I just wanted to sort of take that route for a while, uh-huh. um, but... So anyways, after that phone call from Keith, of course there was only one, I mean, I don't think I even had time to hang up the phone before I jumped behind the drums and started like really uh, practicing and making sure, because I'd sort of, you know, gotten a a list of songs that they wanted to rehearse. Mm -hmm. So,
0: yeah, luckily that all went well
1: and the rest is history.
0: And so how has that experience been, being in a band and...
1: well I mean it's very iconic
0: I mean he yeah he is and
1: for a good reason because
0: he brings it he's you know Mm -hmm. he's
1: he's unstoppable Hmm. there's just something about him I mean it it must have been so evident the other night too when of course there was a lot of he stole that show yeah he stole that show a lot of great performances that night but there's just something when he comes out and just floors everyone it's like
0: yeah he was uh, amazing yeah he was amazing. He is a force. And and you were saying that he's re-upped his passion, his his commitment. Like I was saying, a friend of mine went to the Brian Wilson show the other night and Billy got mm-hmm. up and yeah. he's been doing that kind of thing. Yeah, he's
1: been doing a lot more of that. I see him popping up all over the place, um, sort of unexpectedly, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he... I don't really know the reason why. I think he's just, he's having fun with it. That's you know? fantastic. Yeah.
0: And so, our, our, what's in the courts for you guys? What's coming up for, are you guys going out? Are you making a record? What are you doing?
1: Yeah, we're leaving this weekend. We have a string of uh, private shows coming up. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to our Las Vegas residency the first two weeks of October. Oh,
0: nice. Where do you play?
1: At the Palms. Uh, oh. The venue's called The Pearl. uh mm-hmm. Beautiful sounding venue, really, really great.
0: And so, how long at a clip do you do residency there?
1: We usually do two weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. We used to do longer, but you know, we play three times a week—Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So now, when you, you do like the like Las
0: Vegas days. trip, what kind of people are uh, what kind of people are coming to see Billy in Las Vegas? I imagine they're people my age, for the most part. And Mainly midgets. Mainly <laughs> <laughs> midgets. Are, are, are just like he still women must still go crazy for him and do all of that stuff does he have all that going on he must have all that going on yeah there's mm-hmm. a lot of that mm-hmm.
1: it's uh, surprisingly enough a very wide variety in terms of the demographic yeah I'm constantly surprised at especially at how many young people we can we usually get yeah. yeah I guess maybe people are rediscovering him or people are mhm I mean this is, it's very encouraging to see so many young people in the audience
0: that's very yeah. cool uh, um, do you have as a drummer favorite bass players that you have played with through your career that you just mm. love when, okay yeah this is this is this is going to be great yeah I have a lot of those you have a lot of those yeah. anyone like are there any that like stand out that you just love to play with you don't want to say because you're being political
1: no, no, no! It's not about that. um, No, I mean, I I have a lot of friends that are absolutely amazing bass players mm-hmm. that are, like, like for all of us, we're suitable for certain things. Have you played ours. with
0: Willie? I've played with him a lot. That's well, great. I'm really good
1: friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Playing with Carmine the other night. Um, yeah, I'd never played? played with him before. Yeah, oh, really? Great. Carmine's amazing. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Super sweet guy and very easy uh, and great to play with. Mm-hmm. Another one is John Evans that maybe a lot of people don't know about, but he was—I mean, a lot of people that aren't musicians should mm-hmm. say—but he was playing the toriendas for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And. And that's actually a funny story, because I've been a huge fan of his playing for such a long time, and...
0: You must have been a fan of hers, to know of him. Yes? No? I'm a much bigger fan of his. Wow. I like her, too. It was actually
1: my ex-wife that introduced me to Tori, Mm -hmm. uh, to Tori's music, because she was more or less obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. And I just kept thinking, man, oh man, yeah, she's good and whatnot, but, you know, the bass player's fucking amazing. So anyways... Fast forward to 2013 when I get called to the share gig in New York, and they say, basically, "Well, we don't have a bass player, but we don't really want to fly out any more people from Los Angeles. So, do you know anyone on the East Coast?" And I had I didn't know John at all. I never met him. And we mm-hmm. had no you know relation whatsoever. Um, and I, I remember that a couple of years. Prior to that, I played with this singer-songwriter songwriter named Sasha Dobson, who lives in New York. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen a post on her Facebook that she had worked with John at some point. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, hmm, I'm gonna be clever here. Mm-hmm. I called her up and I said, Hey, do you think John would be interested in playing with Cher for a week in New York City to do all these TV shows? She goes, yeah, Of course, absolutely. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to ask him, and then if he's okay with it, you know, have him call me? She's, like, Of course. I guess so he calls me and goes yeah that'd be great thank you and we did that we became really good friends and now we, you know we've worked on a bunch of records so nice. sometimes yeah you, you gotta you know jump ahead a little bit and take some chances like how that. about
0: how about um, drummers that that like who who inspires you
1: a lot a lot of Many different ways.
0: Like, do you have a do you have a hero?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's two people that you know for I would say most of my life I have always studied and continued to study, and one would be Tony Williams, mm-hmm. and the other one would be Jeff Bacaro.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you gotten to meet them? Neither, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. unfortunately, they both passed on. Mm-hmm.
0: And so what, what um, moving ahead, is there something? Uh, <laughs> Crystal saying ex-wife, that's a start. <laughs> she's, she's getting her information. Um, Mary Ellen says, what a nice guy. Um, little do they know. Little do they know. <clears throat> um, hi, Pete. Hi, Michael. So what's the aspiration? What, if, if you could paint the future, Exactly as you want it, what would it be? I don't want to. You like the open canvas?
1: You know, I'm 43 years old now. There's like never a guarantee in the music business. Mm -hmm. And I knew that even as a kid, you know, because of course you get your warnings from other people, like saying, maybe, are you sure you want to get into this? Because, you know, you never know when the next job is going to come or. It's mm-hmm. difficult to plan ahead and financially plan, and you know, all of those reasons. And um, I just, I've just sort of lived my life that way, like the whole time. I mean, yeah. Like I know what I'm doing with Billy for the next six months, for example. That's, I mean, that's, are you guys that's working? A lot you're working know. a lot. Yeah, we're working quite a bit. Yeah, because after the Vegas thing, we're going to Mexico for a week, and then we have a couple of months off, off uh, over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Then Australia New Zealand. Nice. January, February and then back to Vegas in March. I think that just kind of knows. Sorry? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Otherwise, I spilled the beans. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I think I have maybe subconscious plans in terms of what mm-hmm. I would like to... I mean, would I like to be liable to continue to tour for another 20 years? Absolutely. Do I think that's realistic? No. Do I think something else will come along... You know,
0: do you want to do some more producing? Is that something that turns you on? Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I'm when I'm home when we're out touring, that's all I do.
0: And and how about gigging around with like I saw you gigging with Jeff Young, and that was phenomenal. Do you do quite a bit of that or not? No, so much? a whole lot. No, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: if it's close friends like Jeff, uh, like in that case, it was his CD release party, so it course. was fabulous. Um, yeah, I was mm-hmm. going to be part of that. No, in you're general, I just, I just mm-hmm. I want to focus on the studio stuff when I'm home, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of keeps that balance, nice, you know, live work versus studio work.
0: So you're still in the studio a lot? Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah I have my studio that I do pretty much do everything these days.
0: So well, and, and so if you're going to go out and hear music, who, who might you venture out to hear these days?
1: On Friday, I'm going to go see my friend Steve Lukather with his band Toto at the mm. Greek Theater. Nice. So, yeah. hmm And I, a couple of weeks ago, I went to see another phenomenal guitar player named Michael Landau. with My friend Abe Boreal Jr. on Drugs. Okay.
0: Oh, I saw his dad. Okay, for the first time last week, I went to um, the write-off room mm. and James Gadsden and... Uh, um, uh,
1: that sounds great. Oh, my
0: God. He's a legend. James is doing this show in a couple of weeks, and mm. I am so excited to How sit amazing. down. He is amazing. Wow, the and history Abe, of that guy. Abe, is it... Abe playing bass is... The two of them together, it is so... They are so crazy. Mike Finnegan was on... Mike Finnegan was my guest last week. Mike Finnegan on... on oh, for him. Yeah. They They are just... They are... Um, they are just... I, there aren't. I don't have words yeah. for them. That doesn't wet your panties. I don't know. Yeah, what they are. They be. are crazy. Um, yeah, I was saying. I, I get to go to the bowl next week and see Jeff Beck, who I've idolized my entire life, with with Rod Stewart, which is crazy. That's going to be nice. He's doing uh, that old stuff, and I, and I want to give a couple shout outs because I I have a couple people that support me and make this wonderful. So my hairdresser, and you wear some product. You can see her product is called Fuck Off. Um, Ooh, Nicole I'd like Vin- to try that. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, all right. I'm Because you know,
1: even with the limited amount of hair that I have, having some strong hairspray you, is always good.
0: You have some, yeah. So this one, you don't fuck around with this one. Nicole Venables of the Rungonia Salon she is my my and she uh, she does the hair on 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 Will and Grace and on Man with Plan, and she's she's fabulous, and she's got she's got a whole line of great products, and they're all called Fuck Off, which is fantastic. And kind of that that's my kind of gal too. And then there's Rick Smokey. If you ever need so I don't know what you'd need stuff, but if you ever need anything printed, if you ever need liner notes or you need C D things done or anything like that, Rick is friend of the musician and um he has printing pressures in Chicago. They're printers. He's never charged a musician for anything. He is just so behind artists and um and Jackson Brown is his favorites. Jeff, you're going to be getting stuff. But anyway, so he's made my, my part is Jeff blows his nose a lot. <laughs> he does. <laughs> and Je- but Jeff produces, you know, his own CDs and so, you know, you need liner notes. You need stuff like that printed. And Rick's just the best. And um, yeah, so next week, wait, let me get the, oh, so next week, Teresa, do you know hmm. Teresa James?
1: I don't. I've heard of A friend of mine plays with her.
0: Who's that? Herman Matthews.
1: Oh, yes. Herman. Right. Yeah. Herman Red also Red plays Hope.
0: with Snuffy. Yeah. Walden, I saw Herman mm-hmm. play. Um, they do the Babylon Social Club with Leslie Smith and um, oh, yeah. and Terry Wilson is the bass player. And Terry and Teresa are a couple, but they were just uh, nominated for a Grammy this year and uh, oh, Blues okay. Grammy. Yes, they're amazing. So they're going to be on the show next week, and we're going to go up to their place. And so yeah, they you can get a play. lot of great people. Coming I get great around. people. And um, and uh, yeah, James Gadsden is going to be with us in a couple weeks. And um, and Laney Zan in three weeks, and uh, yeah, some fabulous musicians and stuff. And in the living room on Tuesday, if you're in LA, 11 a.m., you can come live and see Jeff Young play from his amazing new album. It's it's amazing. He's fantastic songs, and and uh, Danielle D'Andrea is going to be singing, and um, Anna Montgomery's an amazing singer, and Mike Lang who's played. On two thousand film scores, from uh, <laughs> that's nothing. <laughs> wow. And uh, he is, and he's played with everyone from like Zappa to like James Brown. He played with Cher. He's played Bunch with hacks with everybody. So all of them are going to be playing in the living room. And I thank you so much for doing this. And thank you. You've just been lovely, and and I really. Um, appreciate you inviting us out the other night it was such a good time and it was so That'd amazing to see, I mean I saw you play with Jeff and you played hard that night but like playing like the Stooges is like that's playing hard yeah. yeah that's 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 a whole different kind of playing I thank you so much Eric for doing That'd this be it's been lovely <laughs> and uh, thank you all for tuning in thank you Samantha for being behind the, the camera, thank my daughter's Samantha. here till Saturday and I'm getting to be a mom, which is so great. I love you. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you all, and we'll see you next week on Game Changers.